2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, July 17th, 2022, and I'm joined uh, to my immediate south by Chris Collin. Hello. Hello. It's a beautiful
3: day here in South Buffalo. It's very warm, very warm in South Buffalo,
2: but uh, beautiful, though, even with the crazy heat. So, mm-hmm the uh bills preseason is starting soon isn't it yes
3: uh starts the 13th oh. i will not be it's attending either preseason game
2: okay i was going to say because there's there's also a local wrestling show on on yes. uh, august 13th august 13th yeah. right yes and then their second game
3: i have a wedding so mm. is preseason is low priority yeah i mean no stakes it, it, Usually, I used to do, use it to like scope out where the best places to you know eat or drink were and stuff like that. But that's what it's used uh, for.
2: Are you familiar with the WWE hierarchy of influence?
3: Uh, I have seen this pyramid. It's very detailed. You
2: said you spent a lot of time on this well, I pyramid made it here last night. There's there's a there's a previous mm-hmm. version of it um, that was from, let's see here, 2018, which I colored in black and white to to signify that this is from the past. That's how things from the past are colorized uh, in grayscale. Uh, Different executives here, um, different business partners slightly. Uh, We'll talk about this. Uh, What else are we going to talk about today? Uh, Well, we're going to talk about
3: the hierarchy of of influence. We're also going to talk about what's next for the Vince McMahon scandal and how it's going to affect the company's business outlook. Uh, We're also going to do an analysis here of how women are presented and perform in AEW. And then we'll also discuss the possibility of Raw going TV-14. that and much more here on this Sunday morning edition of Nomics Radio. And remember, if you have a question, you can use the super chat. Uh, use the super chat feature. You put any amount uh, that you uh, see fit there for the question with the little dollar sign on the YouTube chat. So we welcome all super chats. If the if it's on topic of what we're talking about, we'll address it then. If not, we'll get to it towards the end of the show. Yeah. So, where to begin? Well, we are going
2: to begin with that hierarchy of influence yes have, have you ever seen this uh this older image the original the original uh, I have of influence you yes
3: have. yeah when you it. when I first uh was doing guest spots for you like I, I think it was around the
2: time you came out with this uh and I saw it yeah so I looked up when this was from and October 18 2018 when what was happening in in, in the world of W News at that time I, I don't know for sure, but I'm, I, have a, I have a feeling I know the reason why this, this, this uh, image was made. Because we were thinking about another issue uh, that, that was happening. This was almost four years ago uh, in, in 2018. Jamal Khashoggi was murdered at the beginning of the month. And I'm okay. guessing that that story was breaking uh, around this time. Uh, to think about, you know, who's really going to stop WWE from from going forward with their crown jewel event, which I believe was November 2nd of 2018. Um, and this is very much related to the Snickers doctrine. This is a more up to date version of it. Uh, this is sort of uh, our belief about how W how really works. Who's who's at the top of the pyramid. It's Vince McMahon, followed by not a, not Nikon, not W executives, but business partners, uh, especially their media distributors like NBC Universal, Fox, Sony, BT Sport, various advertisers, various licensees like Mattel and 2K Sports slash Take Two Interactive, um, and then corporate executives. I, I did throw institutional investors into the uh, the business partners category this year, uh, or this time around. Uh, it's like the Olympics every four years. You do this uh, corporate executives and board members. I threw into into the third tier. Followed by mainstream media, most especially the Wall Street Journal of late. And, and, then, and then WWE superstars uh, with, with The Rock and John Cena leading the charge. And then finally, the people at the bottom of the pyramid, wrestling fans, people on social media, and least of all, least of all, wrestling media. Uh, they're inhabiting the bottom of the pyramid. Um, would you say this is accurate? Is this uh, in in all, all of your time now? You're you are more than a one year one year tenured co host of Russell Alex Radio. Uh, does this does this reflect your reality uh, in in your eyes? A hundred percent.
3: And we, you know, I think we've seen it with like certain talent that get over with the fans, and then WWE decides to go totally against that. Or we've also Nick Khan made the comment on the Colin Coward show that social media is a very small percentile on Twitter. That that's not really what they're looking for. Uh, in, in in opinion and everything. But, of course, corporate sponsors. That's going to be the big one. And, uh, you know, like executives as well. But
2: at the end of the day, it's what Vince wants. Hmm. Um, so with that said, with Vince sitting here at the top of the pyramid, by, by the way, who's in charge of WWE these days? Stephanie McMahon. You said, was there a question mark at, at the end of that mm-hmm. sentence? Um, anyway, with that said, um, is, is, is this over yet? Is it over? Is it over now? Are we done with this story now? This Vince story? Uh, have, I mean, have, 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 has it left people's minds? Is it, is it far enough in the past now?
3: I mean, done it, it, it hasn't left my mind or your mind. I mean,
2: I don't know about the, the comedy WWE fan, but. So I would like to go into further depth today about some things that we we sort of touched on uh, previously. It, most importantly for for W's future, um, and as we we should say in the background here, there've been a couple two reports now from the Wall Street Journal, one on June fifteenth and one uh, a week ago Friday, raising a number of allegations of NDAs and sexual relationships, sexual harassment, allegedly uh, by Vince McMahon. Uh, with W employees, 1W talent, a contractor, a corporate manager. Uh, there's also Invince's past allegations of rape by Ch- uh, Rita Chatterton from 1986. And there's the story uh, from the tanning salon uh, in 2006, which would be an alleged case of sexual harassment. So with, with these things in mind, and there's an investigation ongoing from the board of directors, who have hired outside counsel to conduct that investigation, um, I can't imagine that um, Nikon's job didn't just get harder. And what, what's the most important thing to determining W's financial future? What are the most important deals that W has? No, I mean, TV rights, you know.
3: So. And uh, streaming rights. Mm-hmm. And then I would probably say after that, i probably be Crown Jewel. <laughs> so it's not a deal.
2: What's the most valuable two deals that WWE has? Oh, that's Fox and NBC Universal. And when do those deals expire? 2024. Yes. Yeah, September 30th, I believe, 2024. And the timing in which those deals would be Renegotiated. They may be having conversations well in advance of that. I don't know. But the prime time, I would say, when those deals would be renegotiated, is probably about at the new year, 2023. And past rounds of of TV deals tell us that about a year and a half in advance of the deal being of the deal expiring is when they announce a new deal. So that would put a new deal if. If it's along the same timeline as the last two deals, that would put a new deal being announced sometime in the spring of next year. If that's the case, we're less than a year away from WWE making a new, new set of U.S. TV rights deals. Um, what are these deals worth? We don't have that on the screen. Do you know what these deals are worth, uh, average annual value?
3: Uh, two hundred uh, is it two hundred
2: million for Fox? Two hundred five million per year. Two hundred five million for, for Fox for, for SmackDown on Fox and for yes. Raw.
3: Raw is I know Raw is more than the two hundred five.
2: It's I want to say two forty, but I think I'm wrong. Two sixty five is our two hundred sixty five. That's from Hollywood Reporter originally, some years back when these deals were made. So two hundred five for SmackDown. 265 for Raw. God, what does that mean? These are numbers out of context. Uh, AEW gets $44 million. So, you know, that's a fraction of, of what Raw or SmackDown get. Uh, so that's coming up. Now, how are ratings doing for Raw and SmackDown? Uh, which, which, will have a, 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 which will be a big determining factor about whether uh, WWE gets a, a great deal, a good deal, or a not-so-good deal. And if you look at the rank, which I think is the most straightforward way to look at this stuff. Yes, we can draw a line chart that looks sad and dramatic across the last 20 years down and to the right. It's not like it was in the Monday Night Wars. It's not like it was in the Attitude Era. More on that later. (laughs) But the ranking. How does Raw, how does SmackDown perform in the grand scheme of TV? Not what is its margin over AEW. How does Raw or SmackDown perform in the grand scheme of TV? That's what's really going to matter the most for for any of these wrestling, for any for just about any TV property. And when we look at their daily rank, and this is extracted from Shoba's daily data, Raw in, in 2022, um, especially in the previous quarter, the recently completed quarter of Q2, you know, it, its average rank was number five, and that's better than at least the, the two prior years that we have on the screen here. Uh, Nine in, in it averaged a rank of number nine in Q1, and that's on par compared to the last two years. Uh, so far in, in Q3, we're only what less? We're only about two weeks into Q3, uh, so those those quarters are very much incomplete. Uh, but SmackDown holding up pretty well, also averaging a rank of three, averaging a rank of four so far this year, which is right on par with, with where it's been previously. So, I see no reason based on viewership to doubt that WWE shouldn't be able to attract a pretty good TV rights deal. Coming up next, if we look at this in terms of actual numbers, in terms of actual viewers, uh, the viewership is, you know, for Raw and SmackDown, the viewership for Raw year to date is almost equal to what it was last year. Uh, the viewership for SmackDown year to date is equal exactly at the moment to what it was last year. So, this trend of TV being down. Uh, year, year over year. Um, so far, it's even. But then again, we're not in Q4 yet where Raw is going to have to go against Monday Night Football. And that's definitely going to bring its average down. But nonetheless, we don't have negative stories to tell here. Uh, com- you know, comparing Raw and SmackDown's viewership compared to last year, and remember last year, is the Thunderdome era, before the return to touring. And we're, we've, I believe we've just passed the one-year mark of the return to touring. So obviously you know the the ratings were hurt by the lack of audience the ratings were helped by the return of the audience um and you can look back at those 20 the 2020 years and and actually viewership is down from 2020 but maybe we can sort of you know minimize that by raising the notion that yeah all tv is down you know there's fewer subscribers and there's a greater competition for for time which there is and if we look back at those rankings many of those rankings are About equal, very slightly lower, or in some cases, performing even better than they were in 2020. Long story short, TV ranks for Raw and SmackDown are holding up pretty well. If these numbers, especially these ranks, were slipping down below the number 10 slot, maybe below the number 5 slot for SmackDown, because SmackDown's advantaged by being on Fox, uh... Maybe get worried. But doing pretty well. Maybe we look at this Q4 2021 where it averaged a rank of 12. And I know a lot of this is due to ESPN loading up Monday nights with all sorts of telecasts that are, that are filling those top ranks. But nonetheless, Raw, SmackDown, still among the more popular programs uh, in primetime. Uh, Raw especially, that's the case for cable. So... Uh, yet, on the other hand, is, uh, is the Vince issue, the Vince McMahon scandal, which we might call it for short, and don't forget John Lord and is involved here too, is that going to cause WB problems when it comes to making great deals with business partners? We've already seen a report from Denise Salcedo, which we mentioned last week, reporting that the Netflix documentary on the life of Vince McMahon, the four-parter, celebrating the life of a man who rose up from the trailer park in North Carolina, grabbed his own bootstraps, and became the most dominant promoter in the history of sports entertainment. That documentary, according to Denise's report, has been taken off the spreadsheet. Uh, the doc- we, we could say at the very least, the future of that documentary is uncertain. Uh, who
3: was developing the People vs. Vince McMahon? Was that this or that was a Bloom- different project? What, what What's the horror film? The house yeah. Blumhouse. I don't know what
2: stream platform that was for. It was just being made to be shopped. So my understanding, as far as I know, like that was a concept that was being shot. Okay. I don't know that, that, that there was a, a frame of, of video ever recorded for that yet. You're, you're should we make it clear what we're talking about. We're talking. About, there's a scripted series. A script, I believe it would be a scripted miniseries.
3: Yes, it's much like the uh, the American Crime Story sh- show. I think that that was what's going to be kind of like. Yeah. So yeah, the People vs. Vince Man, where he def- won the steroid trial. But I think I feel like now <laughs> probably not be a good time to uh, start uh, producing a uh, a show about Vince
2: beating a trial. Crap. <laughs> Just yeah. So the big questions I wanna to raise today is does Vince McMahon's problems affect W's ability to negotiate US TV rights fees in a favorable way for themselves? How does Fox feel about this story? Um, how does NBC Universal feel about this story? How do potential bidders feel about this story? I would think it makes WB as well less attractive to acquire as a company, which is something that we've been talking about for quite a few months now. The notion, I guess about May, I turned the corner. And I, I believed that, you know, after Stephanie announced her temporary leave of absence, which is now over, that maybe maybe it is more realistic to talk about W being acquired, namely by NBC Universal. Do you want to acquire a company that's got this scandal going on in it? And Lord knows Vince is going to want to stay in control about, you know, for as long as he can. And he's got this history of allegations against him. So Eric Shanks will be somebody that WWE may have to negotiate and may be working with right now when it comes to SmackDown. Uh, is, is somebody like him and other executives at Fox going to have questions? Um, if you're familiar with this person who we have on the screen right now.
3: Um. I thought so, but no. I, I tried. I tried cross-reference it be because you were going to ask me. <laughs> okay.
2: Who Who is this man? This is. Do, do you know the name Briscoe? Roger Ailes. Have you heard of Roger Ailes? Uh, okay, that that sounds familiar. Who's, yes, who's Roger Ailes. Uh
3: was was that the head of Fox News? Or am I getting that?
2: Who's Roger Ailes? What 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 uh, What happened gonna, to Fo- Roger Ailes? Okay. He's passed yeah. away now, but that, yeah,
3: he, he was he was the chairman of, of Fox News, Fox Television. Okay, yes, yeah, so was this the executive that they made the movie about with the sexual harassment allegations and all there's that? There's
2: a movie. There's yes, a okay. There's a mini. There's a there's a Russell Crowe miniseries. There's a John Lithgow film with uh, those people depicting playing the role of Roger Ailes. Uh, what what happened to, to Roger Ailes in uh, in terms of his his uh, his career.
3: Um, was he 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 was he was replaced when all those
2: allegations came to light, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He, uh, he he was uh, accused of lots of sexual harassment and uh, he was forced to resign from his role uh, as I, I don't know what his title was. He was in charge of Fox News. Um, so Fox has a history of not tolerating this within their own company. Um, and then there's NBC Universal. WB works with people like Jeff Schell, the, M- the NBC Universal CEO, uh, Mark Lazarus, Pete Pavakwa, Francis Berwick. Um, are they going to have questions about what's going on with WV? Maybe they already have expressed questions. Who knows about what's going on with WV? And do we want to be associated with this brand, or do we value it as much as we used to? It's hard to imagine a future in which NBC Universal doesn't have raw. Doesn't have W content on on Peacock. Easier to imagine NXT not continuing on with with NBC Universal or maybe just going to Peacock or something like that. But NBC Universal really relies on Raw as this really strong program that dominates cable on Monday. Uh, nonetheless, this, does the problems with Vince make the, make Raw less valuable, uh, less less easy to justify a great deal between WWE and NBC Universal, um, And we know that there's now, what, four, four allegations that have been raised by unnamed people through the Wall Street Journal report. There's a Rita Chatterton allegations we mentioned earlier, from 1986, that she went public with in 1992. There's the Tanzabar, Zabar Tan uh, allegation of sexual harassment that the police were involved in in Boca Raton, Florida, uh, by Vince McMahon. So what's happening right now is W's renegotiating its Hulu deal, its next day rights for Raw and SmackDown and other content currently held by Hulu. Lots of hype that maybe that, that, that deal is being bid on by lots of people, lots of interest. You can imagine the kinds of streaming services that would be interested more so today than, than they were a few years ago when these, these deals were bid on last. And uh, maybe it's Amazon Prime that's interested. Maybe it's ESPN Plus that's interested. Maybe it's Netflix that's interested. Are those parties going to be as interested now as maybe they were uh, some, you know, two months ago or so? Um, again, hard to imagine that Vince's, Vince's problems haven't made Nik- Nikon's job a bit harder. What's it like for... WWE and uh, NBC Universal selling advertisements, and Fox selling advertisements during Raw and SmackDown. Do people want to be as involved with WWE? Have their brands associated with Vince's brand as much uh, today as maybe they did a few weeks ago? Um, memories. I know you wanted to talk about this, Gull. So we have to so included it for you. Memories of um, the WWE Diva Search yeah, uh you know,
3: here they were looking for the next diva but instead of wrestling challenges and you know actually showing you know that they are were athletic and all that, a lot of these challenges were sexualized to say the least. Mm-hmm.
2: What what you what time period are we talking about here?
3: Uh we're talking oh was the first diva search in 03 or 04? What does what is, what is the Google machine tell you? Uh, Google, I'll go ahead there. But I know it's around that time period. And they, they went on for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like the first one's in 04. So it's popping it up on the uh, Diva Search.
2: Yes. We had reports at the time that. Oh, 03. Wow. 03. 03. And they, they did this how many times? How many Diva Searches were there?
3: Uh, Let's see here. There was oh three oh four oh five oh six oh seven in 2013. They did this in 2013. Yeah. It was okay. It was an unaired Diva Search. Uh, It was basically like a tryout. So, but they actually ended up not uh, putting it on television. Okay.
2: But you know the reports at the time that this was something to. It was a morale boost. for for the boys and things like that. And uh, John Lauren Knight is probably having a lot to do with recruiting the participants in the diva search. Um, Wouldn't be surprised if there were um, some unfavorable stories uh, that happened, some unfavorable events that transpired during the diva search uh, at that, during that time. Um, And, That clearly involved women, lots of women. Um, Fortunately, though, during this time, since uh, June 17th, since uh, Stephanie McMahon took over as interim CEO and interim chairwoman, um, you know, there's. If you're in WWE, if you're a talent in WWE, um, (laughs) you're learning, who knows what you've experienced personally, but you're learning that there are allegations of of sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, sexual assault against Vince. Um, and at least during this time, uh, you know, the person who controls the female talents careers at this moment, um, isn't Vince anymore. Right. It's so who's, who's the main booker for, for W while, uh, while Vince has stepped aside for the moment.
3: No, Vince McMahon.
2: Oh, still. Vince is still, Vince is still in charge and, yes. and still, still, uh, the head of creative, for, for W.E. and still, you know, interacting with women and making big decisions about uh, their careers. So that's still happening. Um, and you know, there's, there's examples of, of hires that W.E. has made in recent years, bringing in people who themselves may have a history of, of sexual harassment, uh, allegedly, or at least were the subject of a sexual harassment investigation, including Jamie Horowitz. You want to re- update us on what the story was with Jamie Horowitz, who is the current WB executive vice president of development and digital.
3: Yeah, uh, so this was from Yahoo Sports. A huge round of layoffs was announced at Fox uh, one week before Jamie Horowitz was fired. Uh, Horowitz was fired in July 2017 from his position as president of national networks for Fox Sports amid a sexual harassment probe. Uh, Horowitz denied all allegations, and his unceremonious firing didn't stop him from getting a major position overseeing digital programming at the zone. Uh, in 2018, Horowitz joined WB into the June, 2021 executive vice president of development development
2: and digital. Sorry, a little tongue tied today. So just to be clear, this is, this is a hire that W made about a year ago. It's not a new hire, but this is worth bringing up in, in the context of a company that appears to have some issues at the very top with, uh, sexual misconduct, uh, allegedly. So, um, all this is happening. Not clear whether there's going to be more news here, we'll discuss that in a moment, um, but WWE has an earnings call probably coming up, right? Because what quarter just ended? What quarter year just ended? The quarter two. Q2. When did Q2 end? Uh, like I said, just a couple weeks ago, right? Right. June 30th. And when, when does the, the earnings call happen in relation to when the quarter ends? it it's normally like a month in right yeah yeah, yeah, if, if, somewhere between like three weeks and five weeks, I would say somewhere around that that range uh so that would put the next earnings call, I would guess around August fourth um they didn't I'm guessing it's not July, so it's probably going to be a Thursday, it's always a Thursday, and they usually make that announcement about two weeks out, I want to say uh so they so and they usually announce it on a Thursday. Uh, don't ask me how I know this. (laughs) Uh, so last Thursday passed and there wasn't an announcement that was going to happen on the 28th. So my guess would be purely guessing is that on this coming Thursday, they'll announce it's going to happen on the 4th. That would be my guess. Could be wrong, but that's what I would guess based on past history. Uh, so August 4th would be my guess. And, uh, Vince McMahon doesn't talk that much on these earnings calls. Um, can't imagine uh, it would be a fun time for him. But I, but the earnings calls are basically it's a, it's a prepared presentation by a number of executives. But then they go to Q&A with analysts, not members of the media, stock analysts, whose job it is to evaluate the value of W.E.'s stock, W.E.'s value as a company. Uh, but they, but they're, they often do ask questions that are... Yeah, you know, when the Jamal Khashoggi uh, murder happened, uh, when he was murdered by Saudi agents, uh, stock analysts had um, had good questions to ask. They were not uh, just turning a blind eye to like, yeah, let's go go ahead and, and do the show. They were asking questions about why they were continuing to do it. Um, so it's not like stock analysts are going to be total homers for um, for we here. Uh, nonetheless, we can see here how little. Vince McMahon has spoken on earnings calls, especially in the Nikon era, where Nikon does a lot of the talking. Stephanie McMahon does a lot of the talking. Um, sometimes, you know, other executives, including the CFO uh, Frank Riddick before him, Christine Stalin, they do quite a bit of the talking. And Vince will ha- make an opening statement and then move on. Um, if Vince is still not the the CEO and chairman on whatever the earnings call is, maybe. August 4th he probably doesn't do that much talk. he probably doesn't participate at all uh, but we'll we'll see what happens there um, now that's is there going to be more media coverage of uh, more information coming out about Vince maybe there's other allegations um, listening to Todd Martin he made an a, uh, I think a, a good point about if, if you if you're someone who has paid people millions of dollars to sign NDAs because of your sexual harassment and sexual misconduct, pretty good chance that there are people who have been subject of your sexual harassment who you have not paid to sign NDAs. Um, So it wouldn't surprise me if there's more. Then again, it wouldn't surprise me if there's not more. Um, I'm busted open uh, this past week. you listened to that with uh, with the reporters in the Wall Street Journal, um, correct? Yes. And uh, what was your takeaway from that?
3: So, yeah, I mean, they uh, f- f- they were asked why. report the story, which was interesting. Uh, And they said, I mean, you know, it's their obligation. I mean, you have a publicly traded company and it needs to be out there. And that's what the Wall Street Journal does. And then also discussing uh, they believe there is more stories out there. They think as these two stories have come out, more people will probably feel comfortable to come forward with their stories. Uh, But they said that they were also, you know, furthering on stuff that they learned that they have not reported on
2: yet. And then those two reports are Ted Mann and Joe Paula Zolo, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, so PW Insider reports that uh, the Wall Street Journal is working on a third piece. Uh, PW Insider mentioned uh, the Variety article, uh, basically an, an opinion piece and an analysis piece by Gavin Bridge that came out a few days ago. Uh, and PW Insider reporting that HBO Real Sports with Brian Gumble is preparing a story which we've mentioned here in weeks prior. Uh, So he's hearing what I'm hearing. Uh, Again, real sports is a, is a monthly program comes out once a month. I I think there would be an episode due to come out at the end of July here. So maybe that will happen. Maybe it won't. Maybe next month, who knows? Uh, But there's, there's some more media coverage still to come here. Um, but ultimately, it will be up to the board of directors to make a decision on, you know, I, I, I believe, based on Vince McMahon's employment agreement, that he that he could be removed from power by the board of directors. Maybe Vince McMahon uh, could regain power uh, in the following board meeting. I guess that would be next April uh, if he establishes a new board. I'm not as sure about that, though. Um, I can't imagine... W wouldn't be a, a pretty damaged brand if he was removed and then tried to regain power, though. Um, but anyway, so today is, is July 17th and um, and probably earnings call on August 4th. So what what I'm hearing is that the, the board might make a decision within the next two weeks. So if we're, we, we go out two weeks just from from today. That does if that's the case, if that's how it turns out, then then we have a decision from the board in advance of the earnings call. If the earnings call is on the 4th, which I think it will be. Um, so we could have a decision here before the earnings call happens, which probably makes sense. Would you rather have an earnings call Criscolo with the board decision or without a board decision?
3: I think with a decision because you made your decision, you had your statements all out and everything, I feel like if he if they didn't make a decision, that's
2: going to dominate probably the questions yeah that that sounds right to me um so that's that's what I'm expecting um and I think if worse news doesn't come out that I think Vince is probably going to be reinstalled as CEO um, maybe maybe chairman. But probably reinstall the CEO. I'm not I'm not sure, in all practical sense, how different his day to day work is right now compared to what it was a few weeks ago. Anyhow, he's still the head of creative; and has been the head of creative this entire time. Um, so, I can't imagine though if, if that's the case. Even if the board says, you know, yeah, we've we've we haven't found enough wrongdoing. Uh, we don't. I'm, I'm I'm sure they'll they'll massage this in in the right way to to say something that condemns what he's done or maybe establish new policies. they will do something to, to make it sound like they're addressing the problems that appear to, to be happening, uh, to address the problems, that, uh, to address the allegations, uh, whatever, to address the workplace environment. According to the statement that they'll be put out, they're evaluating you know, the workplace culture as well. So if no worse news comes out, and again, we've already got, what, four new allegations, not from people who are named, but four new allegations. We've got two old allegations from the past. Yes.
3: You say worse news, though, like um, the last bunch of allegations, I mean, especially the 7.5 million where he coerced oral sex from a female talent. That to me would be the nail in the coffin. Like that – I mean that's – I mean there was stories of that that came out in the Me Too movement and Speaking Out movement and those people were removed or, you know, and uh, called out and, and all that and like – and Vince is just going to escape by with an alleg- – I mean it's an allegation but I'm just saying like it, it, it's crazy that there hasn't even been a quicker response from that and the fact that it's kind of being seen as well if nothing else comes out, he'll be all right. Like that that's a pretty – I mean, there were the other stories, too, but that story really stuck
2: out to me like, wow. I don't disagree with you. Um, I think the board doesn't have a ton of incentive to do anything but keep, keep, keep the boat from rocking as much as possible. And mainstream media, if, if there's more important information to report, and if they can report it, and if it influences business partners, and, you know, let's, let's go back to the first slide uh, that we have for today. If mainstream media can uncover enough information, and the way that they uncover it is important too. We don't know the names of the faces of of anybody who uh, signed NDAs, uh, which is the information that's been reported by the Wall Street Journal. The thing, and this shouldn't be this way, but the thing that would, I think, shake the public the most, and would shake business partners the most is if we had something like a number of women coming forward together to do video interviews to say this is my experience with whatever, sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, whatever it may be. That's the thing. Names and faces, um, unfortunately, on an emotional level for the public, is what's required to give people an emotional response. so even if that doesn't happen, I mean, that's sort of a worst-case scenario for Vince, I think. Even if there aren't bigger stories that cause, you know, bigger waves, um, and the board, and what could happen is that the board could decide to, you know, okay, we're putting Vince back in, into the CEO role. And then there's a response to that. So there's the sense that there's been an injustice here, and maybe there's more. Of a backlash to that. That's another thing that could happen. Um, I go back and forth uh, a lot about in the the last few days about what I think is going to happen and how this is going to play out. Um, Is Vince going to escape this and get back into the CEO role officially? Um, But I think even if, let's say... You know, there's a couple more media stories, but there isn't anything new and explosive in them. And I think there's a letter that, that former W employees uh, have, have been uh, signing. I don't know if that'll become public. That's something that would, you know, there's a letter that they would release to, to media uh, to talk about what the workplace culture was like. Maybe maybe that happens. Maybe there is a, f- a few other news stories, but nothing massive and explosive that causes lots of mainstream coverage and scrutiny of events. Even that, even in that scenario, I can't imagine that this doesn't affect uh, W's ability to leverage strong TV rights values with with its incumbents. If they're interested in renewing, presumably, I would think NBC Universal almost certainly, in my view, has to be. Uh, is Fox interested in, in keeping W? That seems less certain. Um, but more importantly, selling TV rights fees is like selling a house. If you have one bidder, you you'll struggle to get market value. If you have a lot of bidders, the... The buyer of your house is going to be paying way more than market value for your house but how many additional bidders and you know, does, th- does this story increase or decrease the likelihood that w is going to have many bidders for Raw and smackdown
3: i would think some bidders would uh probably the, you know new bidders. I think ABC Universal and Fox will probably still be involved seeing what it's done for their networks but maybe somebody like an Amazon or, or Netflix or you know uh, an Apple might go ah, maybe this isn't worth it. Um, just real quick to touch on a mainstream media story. Uh, real sports of Brian Gumble does not have the story listed on their July docket so if anything it would probably be in August not saying they can't fit something in there but they have the, the stories listed and it's not on there at all.
2: And even in that case, I can imagine you know, doing it in the backdrop of if he's reinstalled by August 4th, by the next earnings call, you have the story sort of in the backdrop of this, this. There is no accountability for this guy based on mm. the allegations. Um, yeah, I can't admit. So what, what we've, we've discussed here in a previous episode did the math based on things like the NHL TV rights fees, based on the Premier League TV rights fees. 1.5x is about what I Expect, And I think that's what's baked into the stock price. A 1.5X increase. One and a half times increase in W's US TV rights fees for Raw SmackDown. That would take $470 million average annual value to about $700 million in average annual value. Okay? A pretty good deal uh, for WWE. I don't know if it makes sense to expect a 1.5X increase if Vince remains in power. Um... So there's there's sort of two things, I guess, at play here with with at least the the perceived value of WB when it it comes to is is Vince going to stay in power or not. In that we've always heard this legend, which I think is overrated, that if Vince is not in power at WB, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty with the company and the stock price will fall. So there may be lessened investor confidence if Vince is not in power. Yet, on the other hand, here he is not being uh, the, 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 the official CEO and official chairman. And uh, stock price seems to be doing okay. There are a couple days there. We're underperformed indexes. Uh, but it's not as if the stock price has collapsed. Stock price is well over $60 dollars. Um, and year-to-date, it's still up substantially. It's up 27 percent, 28 percent in a market that's you know been, been pretty bearish, and the stock indexes are down some 20 you percent. know in, a, in an environment where all of these media companies have, have lost value, WE has gained value. And in the midst of this scandal, in the midst of Vince McMahon stepping down as CEO and chairman and Stephanie McMahon stepping in as the interim CEO and chairwoman, the stock price has not collapsed. Uh, that tells me maybe, maybe either Wall Street doesn't take it seriously, which fair enough, <laughs> or they don't see Vince or they see Vince retaining head of creative as the key thing, which I think is totally absurd. Uh, in any case, in my view, like the, the real value of this company, uh, I don't think largely relies on Vince McMahon's services. Uh, and again, if he's, let's say, re- reinstalled as CEO, he has to go forward into next year, renegotiating Raw and SmackDown rights. I don't know that it's as realistic to expect the base case 1.5x increase. Because it lessens the bidders it or at least it discourages the bidders maybe it discourages the incumbents Fox m- much more so than NBC Universal Fox can Fox can find something else to put on on Friday night at, at eight o'clock uh, so we'll see
3: and they're actively in other sports rights bids right now all the college football rights that are going on <laughs> you know what I mean I'm sure Fox are actively in those so
2: um. And the, the current stock price, this is uh, this is what, what I can pull out of my E-Trade account. The stock target. So a stock target. What's a stock target? Do you know what a stock target is?
3: Price target? That is the price that they
2: imagine would be the highest they would get during a, a period or the average. So what we're looking at here is is a, is a composite. is an amalgamation of various analysts. The average price target for WB stock. Is seventy dollars. Uh, this is so a price target is basically this is what I think it's going to be in twelve months. Yeah. Okay. What, what does this say here? Six ranked analysts set twelve month price targets, uh, seventy dollars, which is eight dollars more than it's worth right now, give or take. Um. If if you told, you know, the stock market that W is it, it, its base case, let's imagine we all believe that it's going to be one point five x or whatever we believe it's going to be it's going to be lower than that in terms of the UST rights fees um, this this stock price would fall um, but to the contrary to that this is this is a 12 month price target that's not the same as it is currently it's higher so uh, I, I don't know that this this stock price is is appropriate I, I guess I'm, I'm starting to think that especially if Vince is reinstalled to power that maybe W stock is starting to look overvalued. Because if you're not gonna get the TV rights fees that one would expect, this is by far your, your biggest two TV deals. This is, you know, if we're talking about $470 million average annual value, that's almost half of your revenue. W made 1.1 billion, they're gonna make 1.2 billion. Remember that's 470 is an average annual value, it's escalating each year. So it's probably nearer to like 500 million. in in, in a year like this one, which is pretty close to half of their revenue. Um, And if, and if I'm saying the multiple on your revenue is going to be lower in your next deal versus what we, what we expect it to be currently. um, I'm not sure this stock doesn't become overvalued. Maybe not today because we don't know what the outcome of WD's board decision is going to be. We don't know what the outcome of Vince's tenuous status is going to be. Uh, but this stock might become overvalued. Neither of us have any positions in W stock. Is that correct? Correct. I do not have any stock positions in W. I never have. No plans to initiate any such positions. Um, what's uh? Do you remember on Friday, uh, June seventeenth, when there was a ton of volume on W stock?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah that was. We uh, would. Which time frame did you say it was again? <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm, we ha- we have we have bots again,
2: <laughs> the chats. So okay. um, uh, on 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 the day that Vince stepped down, yes, in, at least in title as CEO and chairman, there was earlier in the day, I believe it was. If it wasn't Friday, it was Wednesday. Anyway, the, the last time there was a ton of volume and there was a big run-up, well, not a big run-up, but there was a, a sizable increase in W stock. It was after a Morgan Stanley report came out. Uh, Morgan Stanley was raising its, its, its price target for W. Um, and there was a ton of trade volume and uh, it, it improved the stock price uh, during the trade day. Um, so... It looks to me like you know Morgan Stanley. and the, the analyst is Ben Swinburne. It's uh, if we look at the the hierarchy of influence too, I would say, you know, people who have a lot of influence over this company include business partners, but also include institutional investors, uh, and, and and among the these institutional investors is Morgan Stanley. Um, and so back when the XFL had to end its season early on in the pandemic. Um, W or not, not W, but Vince McMahon personally and Morgan Stanley made a, made a deal. Uh, Vince did, did, took a lot of his, his W shares and he basically took out a loan. He said, Okay, Morgan Stanley, I'm gonna promise you three and a half million shares, and I'm gonna pledge these shares to you. You're gonna give me 85 million dollars in cash, and in four years, which is March 2024, uh, we're, we're gonna. Come to terms on this deal, and depending on what the stock price is, you're going to get more or less shares. So, um, if if the W stock price in March 2024 is what what they call the cap price, which is sixty four dollars and eighty cents, a price that is just under as it closes the market on Friday, um, you Morgan Stanley you get more shares. So, here's what I'm saying is Morgan Stanley's incentivized to see this this price increase, the W stock price increase. Um, not just because of this deal, but Morgan Stanley also owns shares in WE. Um, so that's, that's something that's happening, too. And it, it seems like you know, the, the Morgan Stanley reports, the stock market really believes in those. And and if if, if Ben Swinburne writes something uh, optimistic about, about WE as a company, it seems like that increases, that can increase the price of the stock, uh, because people trust his analysis. Um, and they, intru- they trust the analysis of, of Morgan Stanley, I guess. Uh, so that's happening. I guess I'm, I'm saying this all all to say that there, there may be an overvaluation in W stock that I don't know that the wall that the that the the stock market that Wall Street is completely aware of. Um, this is not a financial advice. Again, and we don't hold stock. But if, if Vince is the one who's sitting as CEO, and it makes. W and Nikon's ability to negotiate TV rights fees more difficult and they're not able to achieve a 1.5x increase in US TV rights fees, then why is this company valued to the nearly $4 billion market cap that it's valued at? I don't know that that makes sense. Anything else to add? Uh,
3: nothing on that, no. Okay.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple. Okay.
2: Moving on. TV 14. Yes. What's happening here?
3: Andrews Zarian uh, reported that there was a memo within USA Network that went out this morning. This was uh, on the uh, uh, 14th regarding WWE Raw changing to TV 14 on July 18th. Apparently, that was sent out prematurely and the day was not finalized. Also from Fightful Select, I uh, can confirm that there were conflicting messages internally at USA Network about the change. Those that would have made contact with that WWE hadn't heard of the change yet, but we're looking into the move. We haven't heard of a specific edict or direction change as it pertains to WWE's programming and the way it's conducted. We'll let you know if anything changes.
2: Yes. So, uh, I don't know if this is really going to happen or not. This TV4 team, um... But uh, there have been a number of, of short-term fixes that WWE has attempted to improve its ratings, and it, and it does result in at least a short-term fix, um, whether it was the brand split in 2016, whether it was the McMahon family members coming out in 2018 to sort of apologize for the quality of their show, <laughs> and uh, or whether it was the the installment of Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff as the executive directors of Raw and of SmackDown in, I believe it was 2019. Uh, neither of those... Uh, People lasted long in those positions. Uh, Bruce Pritchard has taken over both of their jobs, I believe, at this point. Raw Underground. Remember Raw Underground? Yeah. The blood, the blood sport seemingly inspired concept. Uh, I don't know that that even had a short term benefit on ratings. Uh, but uh, yeah. So are, is, is the Attitude era is back, right?
3: <laughs> no. <laughs> we talked earlier about the hierarchy influence. I don't think a lot of TV. Uh, I mean, if a lot of a corporate sponsors would like the product that was put out in nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, nineteen
2: ninety eight. Um, no, notice even if this happens, even if RAW becomes tv fourteen. Notice SmackDown is not mentioned here. SmackDown is on Fox. Um, you know, you know, the problem with 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 WWE why they're not even bigger than they are is that it's just not it's just not edgy like it used to be, and AEW is edgy, right? I mean. These are, are foregone conclusions that everyone agrees about.
3: Well, language is a little different in AEW at times. For you sure, you think so?
2: You think so? The,
3: there's, there's definitely more swearing. It's not overdone, but it's there. I, I have heard the S word uttered on, on at least Raw. That might have been, but I, I, I know more occurrences from the top of my head, at least,
2: that were in AEW. Okay. okay. There's definitely blood in AEW, and there's yes. definitely not, there's not blading self cutting self mutilation and gory things on w programming there 's blood but it 's hard way blood as we call it uh, so um, I, I, I just don 't see how this makes sense like and I guess you know, if, if w is going to have maybe vince influent, you know, Vince scandal influence problems with advertisers maybe again i don 't really believe this, but maybe um, they're saying, well, might as well, if we're going to have problems with advertisers and attracting really, really great advertisers, might as well do the edgy content and, and do more racy things and maybe do more violent things, um, I guess. But again, I don't know how that makes sense for some of the business partners. Maybe the, my understanding with Mattel is that they've always wanted a, a kid-friendly, a family-friendly product so that when they sell their action figures and other toys, uh, they're selling things to kids that are not seen as wildly violent or obscene. Um, I don't see how that makes sense, even for one program, for Raw. Um, and that's always been our sort of our understanding, is that, that the reason why it's TVPG, which is a self-rating, but the reason why it's TVPG is to, to attract better advertisers, to attract the best possible licensees, such as Mattel, and I'm sure the Mattel deal is much better than, let's say, the Jack-specific deal maybe that they had their previous to the Mattel deal. Um, I was listening to Between the
3: Sheets this week, and wow. 20 years ago uh, this week, or I guess a part of last week, Dr. Pepper 7-Up Company pulled out of WWE advertising because of the content that they were putting in the Attitude Era. So they were losing sp- big sponsors back then. Big 20 years interviews. ago you said what yeah what year 2000, 2000 or done 22 years ago 22 years ago i'm sorry 2000 2000 okay yeah
2: was it was it the parent television council
3: that, that was yes it was, and oh. it was the
2: right to censor stuff and yeah the parent te- the ptc <laughs> always unfairly going after things <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, so there's that. i'm very skeptical that this is gonna happen uh and I and even if it even this is like and it's not clear to me based on the reports that we're seeing from Andrew Zarin and from Sean Ross Sapp, that this is like somebody that that Vince said, you know, as a creative decision, I want I want to do this, it, that it, this seems to be on the network side. So I, I don't know, um, but it's great for wrestling media aggregators to be able to to post a story that sounds like bring back the Attitude Era. So. It was a runaway train. Anyway, what do you want to talk about next?
3: Uh, we're gonna move on to women being featured in AEW, and what does that look like
2: ratings-wise? Mm-hmm. So, on the uh, the post wrestling post show for, I believe it was Dynamite, um, if somebody brought up a question to John Way about the fact that you know where where in terms of the quarters the quarter hours where do you often see women appearing on dynamite
3: i mean from what we see here quarter four
2: quarter five quarter six and quarter seven seem to be Mm -hmm. the quarters yeah so we see women in, in quarter hour seven and six, especially, right? So, what if, what if, what I did here is I went through all the quarter hours for the last year, basically the very end of June of last year to the very end of June of this year. So, about about a twelve month period. And to get into the weeds for a moment, I, I I wrote a program that would I that would identify the names and basically figure out. what names are being mentioned and then determine whether these were women and, uh, and counted everybody up. Um, and what we find is, is what you would expect from if you, if you're a regular dynamite viewer, I think you, you find some intuitive results here in that women are almost never in, in the first quarter. Women are almost never in the final quarter, which, uh, which do tend to be the most, I would, which come off to me as the most important quarter hours. Um, For Tony Khan what he puts puts he feels like he wants to put something really important really exciting in quarter hour one catch those people coming off of the Big Bang Theory and keep them try to keep them throughout the show put something really exciting at the beginning there and then you want to keep your audience retain your audience your whole two hours and advertise something really important and really exciting at at the end of the show Um, so that's what's happening there and this is sort of it's 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 definitely more so women and uh, more so men, uh, it's less so women and more so men who are in those quarter hour one and quarter hour eight slots. Um, now, that's where they are. Does, is that, is that justified in the performance of the quarter hours is the question that I wanted to try to answer. Um, the number of issues that we're gonna have to deal with here, but we can start by, by looking at the rank. So I took the, the 1849 the demo and I said, What is the average uh, among these eight quarters, right? There's eight quarter hours and a two hour show. What is the average ranking for each of these quarters w- when women are present and when women are not present? Um, there's only one example, and I don't know what it is, but there's only one example ever of women appearing. Now, this would include um, short promos and things like that. Uh, ideally, with more time, I would like to look at just matches and just live promos. I think those, those are the longest segments, and those tend to have the greatest effect on ratings in, in a genuine way. Uh, but there's only one instance that my scripts, that my analysis found of, of women being present in QH1. So we can kind of throw that out because we don't really – and it was, not, it was the most rated, the, high, the most watched quarter of, of that show. But that's only one example. Um, but anyway, when we when we look at uh, things that do have a number of examples like QH three, four, five, six, seven, uh, most of them do tend to rank lower on their given program when they have women in them versus when they don't have women on on them. Right. So if we look at, for instance, QH six and seven, where women appear appear most often, uh, the ranking. Is, is about equal. It is actually slightly lower when women are there for QH6. But in QH7, um, it is it does tend to be a slightly lower ranking uh, when women are present versus when women are not present. Um, and overall, the average is like a 5.2 when women are present for all quarters. The average when women are not present is a 4.2. Um, so what I can't come out here and say is that, hey, look, when women are on the show, the ratings perform just as well, if not better. Uh, I can't say that. Um, now, what I also can't say is that there's not a self-fulfilling prophecy here in terms of if you're not presenting any personalities in a, in a really important way, um, if you're not you know, giving people opportunities to get over uh, in, in a, in a, at a really high level, um, you're going to end up in a situation where you know, the people who get most over, are the people who have the most opportunities. Um, so I can't say there's not a self-fulfilling prophecy happening here either, but I also can't say that there's not such a disparity in pr- presentation versus performance that, uh, that, that women on Dynamite uh, are doing really well in ratings and are outperforming their placement. Um, so I think this is, this is a more complicated... So this is the question too. Well, maybe it's the case, we can complicate this further, maybe it's the case that when women are on screen, they tend to be in quarter hours that contain ad breaks. For the purposes of this breakdown, I'm looking at only traditional full-screen ad breaks, not the picture-in-picture ad breaks that are frequent on Dynamite. Um, And it is the case that... Quarter hours, and this, is, this, is, this pertains strictly to a quarter hour analysis, but it is the case when quarter hours uh, have women on screen in some portion of that 15 minutes, those quarter hours are slightly are somewhat more likely to have ad breaks in them. Ad breaks do what to the viewership, Chris Call.
3: Ad breaks will take down the viewership because people will be like, oh, I'm going to something else.
2: Ad breaks will, will decrease the viewership for the duration of the ad break about, by about 20%. Um, a lot of the audience comes back after the ad break, but, it, but there's an every minute-by-minute minute graph that I've ever seen. It, the ad break happens, viewership drops. Um, so what does any of this mean? Among other things, I think it means that when we evaluate quarter hours, women are somewhat more likely to be at a dis- disadvantage because their quarters are somewhat more likely to contain ad breaks. In this, we're actually looking at here is October, 2021 to June of this year. So that's a little less than a year because my labels, my labeling only goes back to October, 2021. Um, but it's a similar amount of time, right? It's a difference of about four months. Um, so another thing we look at is that, well, are there women in AEW who are big stars, to to the degree that there are men who are big stars. And one way perhaps to get some suggestion about this is to look at Google web search, who are who are the personalities in AEW in who have the highest web search volume worldwide. So I'm looking at this year's date, January to June this year, and I took the top 40 AEW personalities for web search, and nine out of 40 of them are women. That's 23%. Um, the the num- number one out of any of them is Paige Van Zandt, who doesn't appear regularly on AEW. Uh-huh. Number two is the big show. Oh, don't call him the big show. Paul White, who doesn't appear regularly on Dynamite anyway, um, followed by Jeff Hardy. Or I'm sorry, followed by CM Punk and Jeff Hardy. And uh, k- kind of like, you know, TV viewership for the most watched programs. Way I say there's an exponential trend. It's an exponential distribution from number one to, you know, sort of under number 10. And we see something similar here for the breakdown of personalities. I would imagine this is similar for, for W as well. Um, we see an exponential So the, the people who are on top are on top by a wide, wide margin from the people who are in the middle. Um, but anyway, after, as far as somebody who's appearing regularly on Dynamite, uh, who's a woman. It's Tony Storm, uh, who's ahead of Mark Henry and Sting, but behind Brian Danielson, Chris Jericho, MJF, John Moxley. Um, so anyway, if we take the top 40, and I don't want to go f- too far past the top 40, because then the, the the data is not as robust for people who have lower volumes of, of web search. But the, out of the top 40, 23% of them are, are, are women. Um, if you compare that to how often women actually have matches in AEW? Um, it's 23% on TV. It's 21% on television. So I could say by, by one or 2% or, or maybe, you know, it's arguably pretty close to right on target. Uh, the, the, the degree to which women are among the top stars in A.W. If Google web search is a great indicator of that is pretty consistent with how often women are on TV and pay-per-view, pretty close, maybe a little bit under. Uh, But women disproportionately appear in those YouTube matches for AEW Dark and Dark Elevation. Um, So there's that. Um, What else do we have here? Well, what about, what if maybe women are doing really well in terms of their, their match quality uh, and then what we see here is that. So I took all of the if if cage matches to be believed as a reliable source for. I don't know, this is something totally subjective, but critical reception. These are the match ratings. I took all of the all of the match ratings that are seven or greater. I think if we start to go below seven, we're we're talking about matches that might have been disappointing. I think anything above a seven, unless it's like a super long match or super hyped match. Um is, is probably considered something that the viewer really enjoyed um and out of these what have we got here 161 matches in the last 12 months or so that had a, a rating with the cage matchers the inmates of seven or greater 161 of these matches in aw uh 150 of them uh involve only men 10 of them involve only women and one of them is a mixed tag um so six percent of these highly rated matches, six percent involve women, which is lower than the percentage of of matches that they're in, right? Uh, so there's that, and we do have this eight point seven. Everybody's I, I, as soon as I made this chart, I was like, everybody's gonna want to know what that eight point seven is. The, the the most highly rated match, a uh, women's match for AW, was rated an eight point seven. And that is a Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb match from like October. Um, so there's that. Um, I know you were, you were telling me off air, Golo, that that this, this proves that sexism is over with. And I said, I don't know about that. Uh, but um,
3: <laughs> no, but I, I, I do uh, have a uh, question because it's I don't know if it's a question can be answered, but I do wonder. That if AEW are able to acquire a few bigger names in women's wrestling, who do you have
2: in mind? Who do you have in mind? Have either
3: just recently became a free agent or will become a free agent? Uh, uh, Paige, who I believe is free to sign anywhere at this point, the, the, I believe.
2: But Paige can't wrestle, right? But like, Paige is just uh, a very interesting.
3: It actor. could. I mean, we, it could be the these doctors didn't clear, but other doctors have. I don't know. I, I have no okay. story on that. Okay. But then we also have Sasha Banks, which. You know, she could be somebody that could become available. We're not sure when that would be.
2: Uh, can, t- can Tony avoid her, uh, avoid, uh, afford her fee, though? <laughs> it is yeah. pretty hefty from what the reports are, yet. Yeah. but yes. Uh,
3: um, Reportedly, but, her I fee mean, is like $30, and it's like $30,000. Let's just say they'd sign Sasha Banks. I could see her in the first or last quarter, and I could see this. She would be in the top five of that top 40 if, you know, for sure.
2: I, I think Sasha Banks is a very, very big star um, for WWE and would, and would be for whatever company she went, went and worked for. Um,
3: <clears throat> Mercedes Vernado, by the way, she, I believe, is her uh, real right, name that probably, she's going by in the convention
2: circuit. Probably not using the Sasha Banks name yes. if she's outside of, of WWE. Um, so there's that. Um, Tickets went on sale. I think this, is, this will be our final topic. Tickets went on sale for uh, the AEW Pay-Per-View All Out on September 4th. They're also doing... This is in Chicago, by the way. Not in Toronto. So be in Chicago. So they're doing Dynamite Rampage and All Out in the NOW Arena uh, just out, outside of Chicago in Schaumburg, Illinois. Uh, ticket the, So they what they did this time is the individual tickets sold out very quickly, but they held a lot of these All Out tickets so that the only way you can buy them is as a combo package. If I'm understanding this correctly, a lot of these tickets, 1,719 according to WrestleTicks, at least as of two days ago, as of what would that be, Friday, according to wrestleticks 1,700 of those tickets were all out, can only be purchased if you, if you triple down and buy tickets for Dynamite and Rampage as well. Um, so when they've done these, these, um, pay-per-views where they do the adjoining Dynamite and Rampage in the same city, uh, which they did last year, for example, uh, all outs, according to Russell Ticks, over 10,000 tickets distributed for all out last year in, I believe the same venue. Um, it was at least in the Chicago area, 10,000, but for Rampage, it was 6,000. For dynamite, it was just under six thousand. So you can see how you know they they probably feel like you know how can we fill up the arena for all three days as much as possible, um, and it looks like part of the strategy here is to tie those tickets together, a lot of those tickets together anyway in a bundle uh, to try to elevate the ticket sales for those other two days.
3: Are you going all out? Uh- not not right now, but uh I I've had all the f- people that are going to Chicago that weekend and it I'm not 100% ruling it out. Okay.
2: WrestleMania tickets are going on sale on August 12th. That's that's only let's that's less than a month away. Um, I don't know how far in advance WrestleMania tickets were put on sale last year, but this is way in advance. Um Especially October, 3- right? October. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's the normal. Okay. So we have a two-day two, two day WrestleMania again this year in the Los Angeles area, I believe, officially in, in- Inglewood, California, at SoFi Stadium, uh, April 1st and April 2nd. Tickets going on sale already for that. Uh, other stadium shows, though, with tickets that have already been on sale, SummerSlam, over 30,000 tickets distributed. It has passed the 30,000 mark, according to WrestleTix. Um, they've got a total inventory on sale right now of over 36,000. I imagine if they really wanted to, they could put a lot more in there if if, if there was demand for it. Um, but we're now somewhat thirteen days away, thirteen days away from SummerSlam, and it's just over thirty thousand out. Um, is, this, is this is this good? Is this what what are, what would expectations be here? I don't know. Um, but this is this is probably better than money in the bank was looking. Uh, so that's SummerSlam in Nashville on. July 30th and then clash the castle in Cardiff Wales on September 3rd has passed 60,000 tickets distributed 60,000 so twice as much as what SummerSlam's at right now for a, a show that's about a month further in the future than SummerSlam but of course this is the first pay-per-view the first stadium event in the UK in some what since 1992 in 30 years 30 years Uh, sixty thousand tickets out uh, to see to see whatever Drew McIntyre ends up doing on that show, among other things. Um, Probably, I don't know. Take take a take a guess at uh, average ticket price for for Cardiff. Uh, say probably fifty pounds. Pound? No, let's USD. I don't have any sense. Oh, USD. Let's go. Oh, uh, let's go $35, $35. No, that's way too low. Uh, way too average, low, narrowed, $45. Yeah. It is a stadium, so there'll be, I guess, more... That's what I'm, I'm thinking of. I started to lower seats, my price because of the cheap seats, yeah. I, I think you've got a lot of factors here that makes this this ticket price high. So, first of all, the average ticket price for a W event is is something like six, upwards of six dollars in North America. Uh, international ticket prices tend to be higher. Uh, so, there's those two things. Uh, then we, we've got a, a premium, I would think on, um, the fact that this is the first pay-per-view in the UK in 30 years. And, um, I want to say anecdotally that there were, you know, people were, were looking at, um, I don't, uh, wherever these tickets are being sold. I don't think it's through Ticketmaster, but I think people were looking at, at the ticket prices and remarking how they were kind of highly priced. So I would think ticket price, average ticket price, ticket price for this is going to be quite high. Let's go 70. Let's say 70. That would come out to just as of right now. If, if 95% of these 60,000 tickets are tickets that have been sold, we're already past a $4 million gate, a $4 million gate. What did the, uh, for context, what did the last, uh, last two AW pay-per-views do for a live gate? Wasn't it over a million dollars? About 1.1 million. Um, In a small arena. I'm just pointing that out for context, just to to get some sense of, like, what does a a hot arena show do? What is this doing? Probably on track to to quadruple it. Uh, So this will be a a huge gate. There we go. That's all I got.
3: Well, we got some Super Chats that are uh, about okay. topics we've talked throughout the uh, show here. So uh, we'll start with Glenny Kodra. First off, thank you, Glennie. Uh, is there an advantage to WWE's TV deal coming before AEW so they can engage with bidders first? Or is AEW better off because they can use WWE's money as a leverage?
2: Is AEW better off because they can use... I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. I think... Well, one part of me wants to say the timing of WWE and AEW happening at the same time might not matter that much at all. These are just, I mean, it's just an additional TV property that's up, up for bid just as, I don't know, maybe other TV properties would be up for bid. Um, nonetheless, they are wrestling products and, and, and as much as some people would not like you to uh, to compare them, they are quite comparable. <laughs> um, I, I If you're AEW, you could say, "Hey, look, we can deliver, um, you know, eighty percent, ninety percent of the demo that Raw does, and we'll do it for like half the price." You could say that, um, but but then again, I don't know that it has that 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 says much about the timing, unless unless Raw makes a deal for X, and, and X is still way more than than AEW is getting, and and you can say to a network, Hey, look, we, the, they, they, just sold for X. We deliver 80% of the demo, 90% of the demo that they do. And, and we'll give you, we'll give you a deal for X and a half, you know, half of X, uh, which is still multiple times what AW is getting. Uh, but, um, it still multiplies what they're getting currently, but still well under what, uh, W is getting, um, which I think adds up, right? If if I say 1.5x times 200, that's 300, right? And and if we we do like half of that, 150 for for two hours of of AEW. Anyway, I think it it might be to w, to AEW's advantage to deal just a little bit after WB. But on the other hand, I don't know that it that it matters that much. All what right. Could, what what could happen? Okay, here I got more. Well, right. guess what could happen is. Fox says, "I don't think we need to renew SmackDown," and and maybe that makes and it, and that would be, you know, theoretically a decision that Fox w- would make before, in in time. Let's say that would be a if Fox says we don't want SmackDown again, or we're going to put a fairly low bid, that w, so W goes somewhere else for SmackDown, that opens up Fox as a bidder perhaps for AEW. Um, and you could make the argument from AEW's perspective that with, you know, it's really your reach for platform that is attributed to a lot of the success of SmackDown and made SmackDown a much stronger company. You know, why not take the AEW product, and which is a superior product to, to WWE, and put that on Fox, and with your reach platform, oh, this will be, be huge business, this will be great ratings. Um, it's an argument that, uh, crudely presented by me just now, that that, that could be enhanced and, and, and made into something maybe more persuasive. Um, And so if the W deal comes first, maybe that opens up that option for that that possibility for AEW.
3: All right. uh, Move on to our next Super Chat. First off, once again, thank you, Glenny. We have Chicken Pom Pom. Thank you for the Super Chat. Uh, Chicken Pom Pom. AEW doesn't show women's wrestling pre-9 p.m. Is there a low-key 8 p.m. family viewing hour limitation going on for female violence sexual from Warner Media?
2: I doubt it. Um, if we go to, I mean, it's not like they haven't appeared before 9 p.m. Let's let's look at the uh, let's look at the thing that I had. Um, let's see here. If we go to the slides from before, and we look at, let's see here. I mean, women have. I can't say for sure that they've wrestled. I mean, we could if we took took some time. Uh, but I mean, women have appeared in. Q four and three, which are before nine PM Eastern, uh, eleven times and twenty two times, thirty three times, and some of those have to include matches, right? I would think. Uh, in the last year, uh, so I I highly doubt that the network um, is is urging AEW to put women later on in the show versus earlier. All right. thank you, Chicken Pom
3: Pom, and our last super chat here from. Tim B., uh, thank you, Tim. Uh, would forcing combo purchases limit scalping activity or at least, or at the very least, extract more from scalpers knowing fans can pick them up for pennies later?
2: I don't know. I think, I th-
3: what do you think, all? I think with a combo package, I mean, I, I, it would be harder for scalpers to move that because some you've got to think, the, I think the Wednesday, even though Dynamite's such a featured show, a lot of people attending this show are going to be coming from out of town, right? So you kind of take Labor Day weekend off. you probably get the Friday off at work. It's probably hard to get that Wednesday. So I would imagine people going full in for the combo packages would have to mostly be locals or people that just make a whole week of it.
2: I suppose, yeah. Because you're, I guess that does make sense that you're, it, it's it's less attractive to scalp. Should we be saying scalping? It's less attractive to buy it for a secondary market sale. Yeah. <laughs> um, then, uh, if if you have to commit to um to these three purchases and those that dynamite and, and rampage ticket are probably going to be hard, a lot harder to sell, especially the dynamite ticket, as you pointed out. Um, yeah, I guess that I guess that makes sense to me, Tim B. All
3: right. And that is what we have. Thank you to everyone who sent in a super chat today. Yeah.
2: Thanks a lot. Um what's going on with Chris
3: Gullo? Uh Chris Gullo, finally we got a new episode of Rediscover the Indies up. Uh oh. the final part in Burt Prentice deep dive. Uh, we talk about uh his role in TNA being the local promoter then when they left Nashville how that affected him his kind of promoting career there for just doing USA championship wrestling doing a lot of Jerry Lawler anniversary reunion shows but also did you know he was in a movie yes a movie. Prentice played a wrestling coach in the sting movie moment of truth <laughs> and we discovered that uh while doing the research for that episode so uh you can check out Rediscovering Indies on all the major streaming platforms. Also, RTI Pod on Twitter and Instagram, Rediscovering Indies on Facebook. As far as myself, Chris Gullo, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I will be appearing at Buffalo Championship Wrestling next Sunday in the corner of Vince Valor uh, as, as Are a you, manager. you a manager? You're being yes. a manager? Yes. Are yes. you known as Chris Gullo as a manager? Oh, yes. Yeah. Wow. Have you done yes. this before? This is the, this is the second time for this. To be, yeah, the, the 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 gimmick is is that I'm the greatest ring announcer alive.
2: <laughs> so while while being in the, manager. the manager,
3: yes, because I will not let the current ring announcer ring announce see. Vince Valor. So, so, so you like Paul Heyman introduce
2: yes. your client? Yes. See. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Interesting. Not not Topher. What was, what was your manager name? Topher, Topher Sinclair. Topher Sinclair. Yes. Yes. The
3: the hipster is
2: <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. Um there's Patreon as always, Patreon.com slash Russellnomics, where you get my T V ratings reports nearly every day. You get access to the viewership spreadsheet. You get slides, if you wanna see the slides that we went through today, uh and every week, uh those are out there for patrons. Uh and what oh, we gotta do we gotta do who's a draw this week. It's coming. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Who's a draw on Wednesday? We will do that, and I believe we talked about we're going to intertwine the company popularity in that as well.
2: We'll see, we'll see, yeah. I'll it you never know. It it it's all up to the slides. It's like a Ouija board. You never know <laughs> where it's going to go. Uh, but we'll, we'll be, we will be doing we will be doing who's a draw this coming week. That is uh, audio and slides and video for patrons only. Uh, you also get access to the pro wrestling pro wrestling industry reports for each of the years of 2019, 2020, and 2021, as well as additional occasional reporting and things of that nature. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everybody, for your Super Chats. Um, Thanks to Post Wrestling for being our podcast distribution partners. Chris Gull, Ria Top. Yes, uh, we want
3: to thank our WrestleNomics contributors, Jason Oprinser, Chris Ely, Technical Consultant, Phil Doc, Special thanks to John Pollock, Wei Ting, Corey Gibson, Show Buzz Daily, and Russell Ticks. Wrestlingomics was created by Chris Harrington, distributed in cooperation with Post Wrestling, and supported by listeners
2: and viewers like you. Yes, Phil- filter talk. Working on a Wrestlingomics ratings game, which we've been doing in the Discord, that may become a Twitter game soon. There, there, there's a scoop for you. Okay, thanks everybody for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye.